and welcome to another episode of Two Beers, Please. I am Matthew Phillips. Unfortunately, my wonderful co-host Yannick Incarnasau cannot join me today, so it's another double fisting episode of Two Beers, Please, uh, if you will. I'm ready to talk a lot of sports with you guys, maybe touch on some pop culture. I'm sure even without Yannick, I'll get off on some random topics. I don't seem to be able to help myself not doing that. Uh, I'm going to take a look at the, the young NBA season. I've actually got the, the Warriors-Nets game on while I'm, I'm uh, talking to y'all. 52-52 with two minutes to go. Possible finals preview. We shall see. Uh, college basketball is about a week old, both the women's and the men's games. So I'm going to take a look at some of the, the big matchups from the first week. And as Thanksgiving comes around, any college basketball fan knows that's that is one of the, the best weeks in all of college basketball. So many solid con, non-conference matchups, pardon me, uh, all those non-conference tournaments, the Maui, the, the Battle for Atlantis, and, and some other really exciting ones uh, this year. Those, those two are not, I'd say, even close to the best non-conference tournaments this year. So we'll take a look at all of those. Um, and, of course, you know, we will. I will be making my NFL picks. We'll, we'll see if we can get Yannick's NFL picks put up uh, so that we can Stay on each other with our with our records, and uh, we'll talk a little bit of soccer. I will talk a little bit of soccer. We won't be talking about soccer. Matt will talk about soccer. More World Cup qualifying. I'm going to take a look at some of the teams that have qualified, some of the teams that have themselves in maybe a precarious situation due to the qualifying. Uh, who thought Italy was going to be right back in this spot four years later or five years later, whatever, however many laters. It's been, uh, make sure you're following all of our social media pages. There's the Two Beers Please Facebook page, the 2BP underscore podcast podcast over there on the Twitter, and then, of course, our wonderful Instagram page, Two Beers Please underscore podcast, and make sure you subscribe, rate, give a review wherever you listen to the podcasts. Hope that you all are doing today. I'm doing fantastic. Like I said, I got NBA basketball on my TV right now. I got the Nets and the Warriors, Hawkeyes are playing a little basketball against North Carolina Central later this evening. Uh, missing my guy. Wish Jan was here, of course. Um, but but I am doing well. Ready to talk some sports. I am still drinking, of course, for the two beers, please. I am. I was a little misleading. I'm not actually double fisting at the moment. But I got my beer. I, I held true to that. Uh, I'm drinking a Bell's Brewery Two-Hearted Ale tonight. Um, it's the kind of beer, if you've never had it, it's the kind of beer that just like makes you want to be in the middle of the wilderness or on or on like or on the water in a boat on the dock, reel in hand, beer in the other hand. Most of the reason for that feeling is uh, if you've ever seen this label or look up this label, it's it's basically just like a trout in in the water. Uh, so that's why you, you you get that desire to fish, I suppose. Uh, Bell's Brewery is based in Michigan, and the Two Hearted Ale's name comes from. Two-Hearted River in Michigan, uh, and there's apparently a famous Hemingway short story uh, about the river and uh, mentions great trout fishing. So that's where you get the name Two-Hearted Ale. That's where you get the trout from. It's a, a quite a uh, convoluted backstory for also a, a pretty good beer. I feel like it's too light. It's a, it's a, an IPA, technically. It's an American IPA, so it's not extremely hoppy, but it is. I feel like it's too light and hoppy, actually, to be like a fishing outdoor beer, um, but it still makes me want to do that. And really, you know, is there any beer that's not suitable for fishing? 
No, of course not. Uh, hope everyone had a great Halloween. I, I wanted to touch on Halloween because I didn't have to do Halloween this year. It was it was incredible. I don't know what all of your, your opinions are on Halloween. It is not my holiday, and um, I wish it was. I always I've always wished I was more of a Halloween person, but I'm just not. I don't have. I don't have the desire to, to get like a cool costume together and then, you know, if you don't really have that fun of a costume on, it's not all that fun to go out while other people have fun costume on. Like I, I respect and I appreciate the people that, that do Halloween well. I, I wish I could be one of those people, but I don't have, I think, the skill or the desire to to do that. I used to, in college, I used to just do like what Jim from the office would do, just like really lazy, simple Halloween costumes, which, you know, the, the lazy simpleness of it made it kind of clever, if I can compliment myself. I did on Sunday night, since I'm in the Upper West Side now, a lot more like families, a lot of kids. Uh, when they were trick-or-treating, I did kind of walk around and take in all, all the festivities, and that was a lot of fun. It's always fun seeing the little kids running around in their costumes. They were like, they just totally uh, take on take on who they're dressing up as, and, and you gotta love it. Who doesn't... Man, I miss... Miss those days of going out and getting candy and dressing up. Maybe that's why I don't like dressing up anymore. Now I just, you know, dress up and go get hungover. Uh, I used to be able to get candy, but... What you gonna do? Let's get into some sports talk, guys. And We're starting at the NBA, uh, and we're actually gonna start with uh, a little bit of a drama. Not, not really looking at the the uh, action on the court, but more off the court, and, and I don't think there's really any NBA story bigger right now off the court than, than Ben Simmons. Um, there's just no other way to put it. He, he's been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons so far this season. Hasn't played a game in Philly, has been fined, has been, you know, not participating in practice. He, he's clearly distanced himself from that team, not only, you know, the organization and the front office and everything, but his teammates and, and everything. Like, his time in Philly's done. I don't think... Anybody has any doubts about that. Ben Simmons is not going to play another game in a Philadelphia 76ers jersey. It's just not going to happen. Uh, and it's a, it's a tough situation to look at. I think it's very easy to be very, very critical of Ben Simmons. And, and I don't think Ben Simmons has handled this thing perfectly. But um, there was a, a story that I think, I know I completely missed it. And as someone who pays attention to basically everything in the sports world. I, I, I don't miss much. Um, but there was a, a very, very personal story for Ben Simmons that occurred last year that didn't really get covered much in America. It's, you know, most everyone knows Ben Simmons is from Australia. That's where his family is. That's where his family's based. The beginning of April last year, um, and, and I want to give credit where credit is due. I, I heard about this story um, on a, an episode of ESPN Daily with Pablo Torre and Ramona Shelburne, obviously two, two of the best to do it. Uh, highly recommend, obviously, listen to that podcast. But if you can find this episode, I think it's, it's really, really worth listening to. Uh, Ramona Shelburne, just as good of a journalist as you can get. Um, and she really, she was the first person to ever bring this, this story to light to me. Um, but the beginning of April last year, Ben Simmons' sister, Olivia, accused their half-brother, Sean Tribe, who is also Ben Simmons' manager, uh, Olivia accused Mr. Tribe of sexually molesting her as a child. Uh, now, the entire Simmons family has denied these allegations. Um, I believe any legal things that were, were coming to, 
tried because of these allegations are, are gone. And, and I believe, um, in fact, uh, Ben Simmons' sister, Olivia, has now gotten in trouble in Australia for, for defamation or for libel um, for, for making these claims. And uh, look, even if Yannick was here, I, this is not the show, uh, at least right now, is not the show that we're going to dive, or I'm going to dive too deep into something this serious. Um, it's, uh, you know, horrible allegations and, and, and all that. But I, I bring it up because I think it is really important context to have when you're thinking about this Ben Simmons situation. And be, because when you hear that, and, and like I said, I'm not giving this full uh, story justice, which is why I do recommend go, go listen to the Ra- Ramona Shelburne podcast. But when you hear this, it, it I mean, you'd look at the entire situations with Ben Simmons in an entirely different way. Because, yeah, if you're an incredible professional athlete and, and you know, all this, you shouldn't let this get to you or you shouldn't let that. What, people are, athletes are human at the, at the end of the day. And to have something so close to home, I mean, to have, have your own sister be uh, saying these things about your stepbrother who's also your manager, I mean, that that is, is about as close as it can get. Um to, to you know, to you to, to be dealing with something that is just so you, you don't want to have to deal with it, um, and have it being your siblings and all that stuff, and, and the people closest to you. I, I I can't imagine what it was like to go through that, and so knowing that and then knowing that that was something you know, he was dealing with, it, it it does you know you're like oh yeah I mean hell I probably would have missed a free throw too. Um, I don't think that forgives Ben Simmons and maybe how he's acted at the start of this season. Um, it certainly has not been. A, a great teammate um, to anybody in the organization, but I, I do think it makes you look at that entire situation with, with a lot more understanding. Maybe I, I'm not sure understanding is, is, is the right word, but but a little more of a oh yeah, this wasn't just a, an athlete who randomly got the yips. Um, you know, I mean Ben Simmons has kind of struggled with his, his shot a lot, but you know what, what changed? Well, that. That's probably what changed. You know, he's dealing with with something that's so personal that's pretty traumatic, and and really can't do much about it. So I think that really does it. It, it gives it a whole new context, and I think it gives Ben Simmons a little bit more credibility. Um, a lot, but you know, unfortunately, how he's he's coming to this season uh, and and everything, it, it's it's still tough because, like I said, we know that we, his career in Philly is is, is done. Um, and the problem is, as as a fan, we can have that context and everything. Is a GM really going to look at at Ben Simmons and be like, oh, well, now I know this traumatic story is going through. Yeah, we will give you two first rounds, two first rounders for Ben Simmons. And, you know, that's not how it's going to work. The the GM and and the business side of the sport isn't going to be more understanding and all that sense of Ben Simmons. But I think we as fans can be. Um, And off of that, I think you as an organization could take more hope in his future and and, in kind of, you know, because as Shelburne kind of gets going too, I I think he never felt all that taken care of in Philly. Um, And so, you know, maybe if you can be the safe place, if you can be the, hey, man, we we got you, we're going to take care of you and all this stuff, you know, that you might be giving him a path to to being that star that he has shown he could be. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think getting rid of Ben Simmons, that's where now, I mean, the question is just so muddy. Who 
is willing to give up what Philly thinks they deserve for Ben Simmons. I'm not sure anyone, and I don't blame them. Uh, because even though, you know, like I said, you bring in all that context, of course, I understand it more. I get it more. Look, I, I, the product I saw on the court last was still really, really bad. And the way that he's handled his demeanor, this time, you know, you can compare it to James Harden. Look, James Harden had a lot more success than Ben Simmons has had when he started acting up and saying, okay, trade me, get rid of me. You know, a couple of Western Conference Finals, an MVP. Leading, I mean, James Harden did some amazing things in Houston before he kind of started acting up. Ben hasn't reached those those levels yet. Um, not by any means. I mean, I guess, I guess he made a conference final, but we, we all know how that went. That's kind of the reason he's in this situation. I think for Philly, for, uh, I guess, maybe my own selfish reasons, I, I think the answer really is Brooklyn and, and Philly trading their point guards. Um, I don't really think the Nets are going to trade Kyrie for Ben, but I think it's the perfect trade. I think it's the perfect trade for both teams. Um, I, I think Philly gets, you know, they get rid of Ben first off, and then you get Kyrie, you get a guy who, who's going to be able to shoot, who's really going to be able to run your offense, who's going to be that that sort of ball handling offensive player that you want to accompany next to Joel Embiid. Uh, get Kyrie and Joel in, in some pick and rolls like that. That'd be gorgeous. It'd be beautiful. It, it, he'd, he'd fit great down there. And on the other side for Brooklyn, you know, you got to kind of get rid of the current headache that, that Kyrie is is dealing or is giving you uh, with with the vaccination and everything, and and not being able to play, uh, which I think's the right call. I don't I don't know how you could ever say, oh yeah, I know that you can't be here for half of our games. I, I guess technically more than half of our games because. Uh, if they play the Knicks, he, he can't be there either. So yeah, you can't be at more than a half our games. No, I, I don't think that the Nets as a, a as a team can be like, yeah, that's fine. So so I think they've made the right call of saying, no, you're just not going to play then. But that solves that problem. And you can't tell me Ben Simmons isn't a better fit next to Harden and Durant than Kyrie. He is. Harden takes the point guard position. The ball gets to be in Durant and Harden's hand more than it would be if Kyrie was there. You get yourself truly an elite defender. I mean, like, we, we rip on Ben Simmons a lot. And, and unfortunately, the, the scoring of the basketball, particularly when you're a, a star, is what people care about more. But as bad as the guy is at scoring the ball, he, he's a tremendous basketball player. He can guard all five positions at, at an elite level. He, he can dish the ball. He can rebound. All the skills that he brings to the Nets fits their team so much more than what Kyrie does. And, and I, I think the same thing for Philly. I don't see it happening because I, I think it's just too big of a trade with those two guys. And, and also between division rivals, do you really, if you're either one of those teams, do you really want to be sitting at the end of the year with maybe the other one holding the Larry O'Brien trophy with the point guard you gave them? No, uh, I mean, no team wants that, but it hits a little home more when it's a division rival, you know, Philly and, and New York near each other. And, and I think two teams that for the last, well, once the Nets made the trade up, have been, you know, top of the East. I, I just don't see either of these teams wanting to give the other one an inch, but I, I think it'd be a perfect trade. And I, I think it would give both of those guys the chance to be in a better spot. Maybe not with Kyrie. I, Kyrie and Philly, actually, man. That would be good for us. 
you imagine Kyrie Irving and the the fans of Philly together? That would uh, that would be some entertainment. There, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Jake Richter, I know you don't listen to the show as much, but I apologize. I'm staying in basketball. Don't worry. I'm going to you, Chicago Bulls. Uh, I guess I didn't rip on the Bulls much, but I didn't think they'd be this good. I definitely didn't think they needed to sign Lonzo. I didn't think DeRozan was going to be such an assertive player. I've been so tremendously impressed with the Bulls. Uh, It's so nice to have the Bulls and the Knicks and, like, have... You bitch and moan about the big market teams, but they are good to have good. They make the sport more exciting to watch. When you can watch an exciting Chicago Bulls versus New York Knicks game, we haven't had that in decades. Not since Michael Jordan was playing for the Chicago Bulls, and that's more on the Knicks. The Bulls have had some good teams since then, uh, but it, but it is you know it's good when these big, when these big market teams have entertaining basketball and good basketball. Um, I thought the Bulls were probably a playoff team with the signings they made. I think they're a legitimate NBA Finals. They're they're at least a legitimate NBA Finals participant. I would be pretty shocked if the team was able to to really go the distance. But I I, I think they have a great chance of being in the Eastern Conference Finals and winning it. I mean, I, I think this team is closer to the finals than a first round exit. And it's it's a team that has it on, on, on all three levels. Lonzo's been great. I mean, Lonzo is great. The reason I, I didn't think the Bulls needed to sign him is because I'm so big on Kobe White, who hasn't been able to play this year. Um, and, and Lonzo does provide things that Kobe White doesn't, uh, particularly defensive side of the ball. Uh, but Lonzo's been great. I mean, DeRozan and, and Levine are both averaging over 25 points per game. You still got Nikola, Vuc- Nikola Vucevic, who... He's only averaging, you know, he's averaging a click under 15, which is pretty low for him. But I think I think he's just happy to be winning, and he's still such a tough guy to go up against. Um, he, you know, was absolutely filling up the rack for the Magic over the last 10 years and and never getting his his due credit. And the Bulls are just a, a team that, and the Knicks, I, I think, are the same way. They, they both have stars. They both come from major markets. But they both feel like very gritty teams and determined teams. I think both these teams are are filled with players who have something that they want to prove and and have something that they want to show this league and, and they're willing to, to grind for it and work for it and, and do the little things and do the dirty things and, and do the stuff uh, that makes the difference to win a game. And, and I've been extremely impressed. Of course, we got a long season, but 10 and four right now, uh, they're sitting, sitting in second in the East, um, tied with the Nets there. Just a half game behind the Wizards, who, what? How are the Wizards on top of the Eastern Conference? But yeah, I mean, the Bulls have been absolutely tremendous. So, Jake Richter, I I apologize for ever saying they shouldn't have signed Lonzo Ball. I was wrong. He was a terrific signing. The DeRozan signing was awesome. And and this team is is for real. Um, I I think they certainly looked better than the Nets. They they whooped up on the Nets in the fourth quarter. As far as 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 how teams have looked in the East, I, I think it's them in Miami who have looked the best, um, and and I think we're going to be hearing more from the Bulls. I, I the the Knicks, I, I think, are still the playoff team. They're not near the level. I can, I can see the Knicks still messing this season up and not make the playoffs. I, I think the Bulls, it, they're a top four seed in the East, um, especially without some of the other teams are playing. Um, and now, as we look to to the West, 
it's it's you know it's interesting standing wise on, on both sides of the NBA. As I mentioned, the East you got the Wizards of all teams on up top with the Bulls second and the Nets third, and then over in the West it's Steph Curry and the Warriors again with the best record and the top of the Western Conference. Uh, are they a legitimate contender? Because it's a much different Warriors team than we remember, as they when they normally had you know the best record. And we're running away with the Western Conference. Uh, Draymond's there, of course, but but Steph, you know, Draymond's a, a. I feel bad saying shadow because he still does so much for the team, and it's such a high IQ player that he, he doesn't even have to touch the ball to impact it. But it's it's a team that really you only recognize Steph. I know Iguodala is there now, and like I said, there's Draymond. And of course, Clay is still injured, but but it's a, a much much differently put together team um, than we have seen under Steve Kerr, but but they've been winning. Like I said, I got the game on right now. They're, they're up 13 at the moment on Brooklyn with uh, a 14-0 run to start the first half. Maybe play a little defense there, Nets. But um, yeah, I mean, like it, it, the Warriors are, are are hot. They look even higher than they were last year because there were there were some times last year they looked real real good, or maybe I should say Steph looked real real good, and, and the supporting cast did did enough. And I think that's where I get worried about this team now. Um, like I said, 10-2, 11-2, and two, top, top of the Western Conference, top of the NBA standings. But I just am not sure this team has enough. You know, it, it's a lot different for Steph to play like this in the first, you know, eighth of the season than have him doing it over three or four series in the playoffs, it, that that's asking a lot, lot more of somebody. Um, you know, you look, you look at their scoring. Aaron Andrew Wiggins, pardon me, second with eighteen. Jordan Poole at seventeen point two. Yeah, Damon Lee with eleven. Like this team is. Uh, there's been times where Wiggins has looked good, but this team is Steph Curry, and it's Steph Curry at the moment running away with the MVP award because he's he's playing. Uh, it, it looks like they'll go back to the playoffs, but but I just don't believe in this this collection, this this supporting cast. Uh, I, I don't think it's a good enough supporting cast. Where I do think Steph is going to have to play immaculately for eighty two games and then through the playoffs, and that's what he had to do last year. And eventually, it caught up to them, and they didn't even you know end up technically making the playoffs because they lost the play, or maybe you know I guess they made the playoffs. But they lost their playing game. You know, they didn't even play a first-round series. So I think that same trouble still arises. Um, and maybe there's hope that Clay Thompson comes back. But my God, guys, we haven't seen Clay Thompson play basketball in forever. It's lasted longer than COVID that we haven't seen Clay Thompson on the basketball court. And the guy has not touched a ball in a competitive game in months. Years, so I'm not sure his return is going to be a boom right back to the Splash Brothers. Uh, so it's been a, a hell of a performance from Steph right now. I, I hope he can continue it um, because if he does, there's no way you don't give the MVP to the guy. And I'd be interesting to see where the Warriors end up in the standings because if it happens like last year again, if he's in the play-in game and he doesn't make the first round. Is he going to get the MVP votes? I don't know. But if he's playing like this, if he plays like this, no matter the record, 
What's what's the threshold on the seed? What what's the you know last seed he could be? Could could the Warriors be a seven seed and Steph takes the MVP home? I think so. I think if he's playing like this. I, I think you have to. Of course, you know with the MVP award, it is one of those awards that's always far more about the narrative with the player and and everything. Uh, so there, you know, especially with an NBA season, they're, they're narratives that don't come until the last two-fifths, you know, quarter of the season or what have you. It's even the same way in the NFL. You know, we always talk, oh, this guy was MVP the first four weeks. Then he ends up not getting any MVP votes at the end of the season. Uh, so long, long way to go in that MVP route. But my goodness, the guy at right now is playing unstoppable. And it's a shame that he's not getting a little more help. Although, at the moment, he doesn't really need it. Going to stay on the hardwood now, but to move our way to the amateur level, college basketball had its tip-off last Tuesday. We, we've been around for a week. We've already gotten two top five matchups. Gonzaga taking down Texas, UCLA surviving Villanova in overtime. It's, it's been a great start to the season. And as I mentioned before, if you're a college basketball fan, you know the week of Thanksgiving is like the greatest week um, outside, of course, March Madness, Selection Sunday. This this is such a it's a a week for the contenders to show that they're legit. It's a week for teams that you weren't expecting much from to show they've got a, a fighting chance and a, maybe make an NCAA tournament run. It's it's just a time you know where you really get to learn so much about really all of the teams in the college basketball landscape. And they particularly do a great job, of course, with the non-conference tournaments. I mentioned the Maui and the Battle for Atlantis. I, I'm not sure there's any that are bigger than that. It's a little bit of a weaker uh, roster of teams for both of those tournaments this year. Uh, Maui, which is actually happening in Vegas again because of COVID and everything. Uh, it is Texas A&M and Wisconsin. You got Butler playing number 13, Houston, uh, Oregon, who is, I think, ranked 12th now, uh, will be playing, of course, the wonderful Chaminade and St. Mary's and Notre Dame are in that tournament as well. So some good teams, but no, you know, I think Houston's the highest ranked team in there. Um, I'm, I'm high on Oregon, but are they a real Final Four national title contender? I'm not sure, but should be a fun one. Kind of same thing with, uh, with the uh, battle for Atlantis. You do get Michigan State going up against Loyola Chicago, uh, a chance for that mid-major to, to get a big win over a, a major program. Auburn and Connecticut are both uh, will both battle as they try to make another NCAA tournament run. Yeah, Syracuse going up against VCU. Baylor, the defending champs, going up against Arizona State. So a, a, a better lineup than, than the Maui, but still no top 10 teams, no, no real sexy games for us in, in either of those places. No, in fact, the two best non-conference tournaments I guess only one of them is technically a tournament, but the two best non-conference events of this college basketball year are the Air Force Reserve Hall of Fame tip-off, which will be uh, held in the Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut, and the Good Sam Empire Classic, which will be in Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. The Good Sam Empire Classic has four teams. It's not going to be in a bracket style. The reason I bring it up, though, is Gonzaga and UCLA will be playing each other in this competition. So you got number one, you got number two. They both start off this little competition with, with a, a, a little warm-up game. Gonzaga will play Central Michigan, UCLA playing Bellarmine. Uh, but then 
the day after. We will get the Zags. We will get the Bruins. A rematch of, of you know one of the best Final Four games of recent memory. Um, of course, UCLA doesn't look different at all. Gonzaga looks somewhat different, but uh, but also some new pieces that uh, they hope will finally lead to them cutting down the nets. So, good Sam Empire Classic. That game between the UCLA Bruins and, and the Bulldogs and Gonzaga will be on the 23rd of November. So that is a week from now, I believe. Yeah, One week from now, we'll get number one against number two, barring an upset this week. And then the other one I, I wanted to pick out was the Air Force Reserve Hall of Fame tip-off, uh, which is, num- which I guess... Number five, Villanova at the time. I know they've moved, but you got Villanova against Tennessee in one semifinal, and then the other semifinal, the North Carolina Tar Heels against Purdue Boilermakers. Four major conference teams, four teams that are all ranked, four teams that all could legitimately be crowned conference champions at the end of the year. Uh, you got you know Villanova, who's I really thought should have won that UCLA game. I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot uh, to have that thing go to, to overtime. So. You know, you got Nova coming into that tournament wanting to, to bounce back and then prove that they are still one of the elites. Uh, Hubert Davis at North Carolina is going to get his first challenge as well as a you know time in the limelight at the helm over there for the Tar Heels. And then Purdue, uh, it, I, I like Purdue a lot. Purdue is, as I will get in here in a second, they're one of my final four picks. Uh, they're my Big Ten champion pick. Uh, I think Matt Painter, one of the most... Uh, underappreciated coaches in all college basketball. I, I think he's got a really, really good group here. It's another team that brings back almost everyone, uh, and, and that guy is just—he just knows how to coach. Uh, I, I think Purdue, sneaky, sneaky good this year. Uh, I think they're gonna—I think they're easily the best team in the Big Ten. And, and I know everyone's high on Michigan. I know Michigan has a great recruiting class, a lot of good players themselves that are coming back. But I think Purdue is is the class of the Big Ten. Um, so that Reserve Hall of Fame. Tip-off, actually, uh, the semifinal games are this Saturday, November 20th. The final, uh, and I believe a third-place game, will be on the 21st. Um, but yeah, Nova and Tennessee, North Carolina, Purdue. So watch the Air Force Reserve. Watch the Good Sam Empire Classic. Of course, you still got to watch the Battle for Atlantis. You still got to watch the Maui. Uh, there's a lot. There's a few other good ones out there. Uh, the Jimmy V Classic, kind of later on. Um, ESPN Events Invitational actually has a pretty good lineup. You got Dayton and Miami. Our Drake Bulldogs will be down there. Their first game against uh, is against Belmont, who, you know, one of the most consistent uh, mid-major teams in the country. Um, and you also got Kansas and Alabama in that tournament bracket. So, so a lot of fun ones um, this year. And as I mentioned, I I, I am going to give my final four picks. I got Purdue there. I think Matt Painter's going to get it done. Uh, it's the veteran group. It's just the great coach that he is. My second team. I'm going Eric Musselman, the Arkansas Razorbacks. That high-flying offense, you know, one of the most experienced pro coaches in the world, Musselman is, since he's come to the college game. He was, you know, was great in Nevada. He's been great at Arkansas. It takes them back to the Elite Eight last year for the first time in 20-plus years. Uh, and it's an offense that's just tough to deal with. I know a lot of people are high on Alabama coming out of the SEC, I'm an Eric Musselman guy. I'm taking Musselman over Nate Oates, and I think he's going to get Arkansas to the Final Four. My third Final Four team, I'm going to fall for it. I'm going to fall for the Memphis Tigers trick. It happens every year. Penny Hardaway brings in a top five recruiting class. There's a bunch of expectations all across the country, and then they fall pretty flat. Even though some of his teams of the past year have still been insanely, tremendously talented, 
just didn't play great as a team. I'm going to fall for the trick this year. I think Amoni Bates and Jalen Duran are a special uh, recruiting pair. It is the top recruiting class, six freshmen on this team that are all just extremely talented. And Penny Hardaway, too, something that was missed from, from people that don't keep their uh, finger on the pulse of college basketball. Larry Brown joining the coaching staff of Penny Hardaway. That cannot be overstated. To have a veteran coach like that on your on your bench is huge, especially for a guy who I think Penny Hardaway is still figuring it out. I, I think he needs a little bit more of guidance, and I'm not sure there's a person in the world who's better guidance than Larry Brown. I mean, the guy has done it all at every level. Um, so I think that is going to help bring that culture change and help bring that help Penny Hardaway take that next step as a head coach. Um, and then my final team. And my champion, I believe it's the year. Drew Timmy is focused. He's got unfinished business. We saw that against Texas, that he is ready to go and grab that national championship. You got Chet Holgram. You got Andrew Nimhard coming back. I mean, this team brings back so much from last year. Might bring in more talent than they lost. And after you know the experience of getting blown out in that final last year, I it, I think this team is, is is going to come back just locked in, uh, and I think there's a good chance this is the year that they go undefeated and, and win a national championship. Although if I was them, maybe just take one loss. Don't worry about the that zero becomes a lot of weight on your shoulders, and uh, yeah, thirty eight and one. Still pretty good, Mark Feel. Still pretty good. Now, as I, I move away from basketball, I'm taking my focus to soccer and, and just briefly talking about the greatest sporting event in the world, the World Cup. There is no other. And it's, it's somewhat crazy to believe that, that we are about a year away from the 2022 World Cup. Seems like we just got done with the Euros, but of course that was pushed back uh, with COVID and and this 2022 World Cup in Qatar is is interesting as well as it'll be held in November and December instead of the summer months since Qatar is apparently the hottest place on the goddamn earth. So we're about a year away and and qualifying is well, well underway, uh, including teams becoming qualified we've of course cutter is qualified but we got a south american team brazil has qualified and several european teams clinched their qualification this week from the defending champion france to the germans belgium croatia spain some surprises in serbia and switzerland the netherlands making a return after missing the tournament in 2018 uh and england one of the favorites has also clinched but there were a couple names that I left off there, European specifically. And whenever you hear a team like Serbia clinched, or a team like Switzerland clinched, or a team like Denmark even, you, you start wondering, well, who, whose spot did they take? And it was the Serbs with an incredible late goal from Alexander Mitrovic this week to upset Portugal and clinch their group Um Group the, the group A there was I think they were down two points coming into the final match day. Portugal gets the first goal. They're up one zero. 
Serbia fights back, equalizes, get a stoppage time winner uh, from the great striker Mitrovic. And Serbia is going back to the World Cup. And now Portugal finishes second. And the other major team that I want to talk about finishing second is the team whose Switzerland spot, or whose spot Switzerland took, pardon me. And that is the Italians. The defending European champions. They were crowned not six months ago in what many say is the tougher tournament than even the World Cup. And now they're back where they find themselves at the 2018 World Cup. Finishing second in their group and having to go to a playoff. And I was considering this, you know, because both these teams, Portugal and Italy, are, are, are both top 10 nations, top five nations all the time. Uh, both of them are, are filled with an immense amount of talent. I mean, you, you look at Italy, obviously, a ton of talent. They just won the European. They're a four-time World, Cha- World Cup champion. You look at Portugal, and while it's a small nation, they have maybe the greatest player of all time, Cristiano Ronaldo. And when you look at all the other young talent that's coming out, out of Portugal and will be in their prime in, in four to six years, it's astounding. So two of the best soccer countries in the world, and they both have to go to a playoff to fight for their World Cup lives. So I was wondering, who would this be more disappointing for if they missed the World Cup, Portugal or Italy? And at first I thought it was a fun question. And as I thought about it at first, you know, oh, Portugal, man, this, this is probably going to be Ronaldo's last major tournament, although we've said that before. And, you know, they, they just won the Euros in 2016. With Ronaldo, they could go and get their first World Cup. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of great stuff that, that the Portuguese would miss out on. But in comparison to Italy, it's not even close. It is a much bigger disappointment if the Italians do not make this World Cup. First off, because they just missed the last World Cup. I mean, when they missed the 2018 World Cup, it was a national catastrophe for the Azzurri. They had to re they redid their entire national team because they said something's wrong. This does not happen to Italian football. We need to make changes right now so that it'll never happen again. And they did. They made changes. They went on the longest undefeated streak in international men's history. As I said, they went to the Euros. We're really the best team from start to finish. And we're crowned champions at the end. You know, they, they had their fiasco with the World Cup. And then they fixed the issues that they saw there. And now they're right back where they were four years ago. You know, this is a team that doesn't want to make the World Cup. This is a team that expects to take that trophy home every four years. That's just what the expectations for are for Italian soccer. And the fact that you could have gone through what was a massive catastrophe, have all of this insane success, and find yourself right back here, it makes you question a lot. A whole lot. I mean, we, we can give credit to Switzerland, and, and, and credit is due. They had a, a, a wonderful qualification campaign and, and did a good job themselves to put themselves in this situation. But when you look at Italy, they finish four wins, four draws, 16 points. In their last five games, their only win came against Lithuania. They drew 
with Bulgaria, Switzerland, and Northern Ireland on the last day. Six of their 16 points in their last four. They had 10 in their first four. Three wins in a try. So it's it's happening later in the qualification soon. Um, and it does make me wonder about this Italian team, too. Is, is age going to be a factor at this World Cup? Is the age finally going to... Because they, they were a veteran team down in, in the Euros. I mean, Giorgio Chiellini and Leonardo Bonucci are not young men. Um, and, and that's where the age mostly is, you know, on, the, on the defensive side. But even in the midfield, there's there's some older players. It's, it's not a young young team by, by any means. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I imagine that they will get through in the playoff. But we all imagined that was going to be the case four years ago, too. So it's it, it truly, like I said, it's just astounding to see the catastrophe that took place. All of these things that apparently were going to, you know, fix the problem. Then did fix the problem. I mean, they, they fixed it. And now they're right back here. We shall see. Uh, the the twelve teams, or I suppose I say the other ten teams joining Portugal and Italy in the playoff are Scotland, Wales, Russia, Sweden, Turkey, Poland, North Macedonia, Ukraine, Austria, and Czech Republic. The first six I said are the seeded teams. Uh, they will play one of the unseeded teams. The last six in the first round. It's it's kind of a crazy convoluted spot, but these twelve teams are are all fighting for only three more spots. Uh, so it, it, it's it's going to be tough, and and there's a lot of really good teams left in this thing. It, it, none of this is guaranteed for Italy. None of this is guaranteed for Portugal. Uh, I hope we get to see some Cinderellas. I'd love to see Scotland and Wales back back in the World Cup. Of course, North Macedonia. Like anytime a country gets to go to their first World Cup or first European, you know, any major tournament, it's always an exciting thing. Just. The, the amount of pride and excitement that those fans bring and the players bring. So I'll be pulling for North Macedonia, certainly be pulling for my Welshmen. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a really good playoff round. I, I hope we don't get, you know, three usual suspects. I'd be kind of surprised. Uh, but at the same time, there, there are some really top-heavy teams here in these playoffs uh, and, and only three more spots to go. So time will tell. We'll see if, uh, if Roberto Mancini can can survive this uh, I would assume even with the European Championship that if this guy can't lead them back to the World Cup that, that he will be gone um, but but we'll see you know we got how many teams 11 12 13 teams Argentina has as I just wow updated right there Argentina has joined the list of teams going to the World Cup so 13 spots have been taken 19 more up for grabs. We still don't have any African or Asian teams or North American teams to have clinched their spot. Uh, it is going well for the USA, playing Jamaica today. Uh, have had a tremendous performance again against Mexico. Is there a change in the guard there? Uh, it will be exciting to, to see our boys back in the World Cup. But, but drama to still be had before we even get to the actual tournament, which, as I said, it is, at least for me, the greatest sporting event in the world. This is going to be just rapid fire. I'm going to go right down the, the line of games. I'm going to give you the line for each game. I'm going to tell you 
I'll tell you who will win. I'll tell you if they'll cover. I got you all covered. Unfortunately, Yannick won't be here, but we all know I'm the smarter one when it comes to picking these games anyway, so you'll be fine. Let's start with the Thursday game. Let's start with Yannick's team. The New England Patriots go down to Atlanta. Pats are favored by seven points. Matt Ryan, he's still pissed about that Super Bowl. And while the Falcons are one of the worst four and five teams I've ever seen, I think he's going to come out ready to go against New England. Unfortunate for him, New England's hot. Four straight wins. Mac Jones is looking good. This isn't the New York Jets. I think Atlanta battles in this game. I think Matt Ryan wants a little revenge. Unfortunately, his team's not good enough. Patriots win. Falcons cover the minus seven spread. We'll stay in the AFC East. The Bills going up against the Indianapolis Colts. Both in the playoff race. It's a big line. Bills favored by seven in this one. I think I got to go with the Colts. You know, I think the Bills are the te- better team and, and kind of a much better team. But we've seen Buffalo sometimes not fully execute this year. I think Frank Reich is too good of a head coach for Indianapolis. It's a too good of a defense to really let this game get away with them. Bills win, but again, they're not going to cover that minus seven spread either. Baltimore going into Chicago. I was giving so much love to the Bulls earlier, praising Lonzo, praising Jake Richter. I got I got no more praise. I like Justin Fields a lot, if, if that helps. And that is kind of tough to say for a Packer fan, so that that's meaningful. But Lamar's just killing it right now. I don't think the Bears are going to be able to put up enough points, even with that depleted defense of Baltimore. I think Baltimore wins and covers the six-point spread in Chicago. The Browns are favored by 10 points over the winless Lions. And I'm telling you, Take that line all day. I'm not going to pick the Lions to get their first win here. But the Lions, are, they're a good team. As bad as the 4-5 and five Falcons are, the, the Lions are the best 0-8-1 team I've ever seen. And they just keep getting screwed. They're probably going to find a way to get screwed in this one too, but they will keep it close. Certainly much closer than 10 points. I haven't taken any of these big lines yet. I got the biggest one yet right here. 10.5 Tennessee over the Texans. Ride that thing all day long. Tennessee has not let that Derrick Henry injury slow them down one bit. Houston has let everything in the world slow them down. Tennessee rolls in this game. They win by 20. Forget 10 and a half. Put as much money. Go buy some points on that thing. I'm telling you, Tennessee is going to annihilate the Texans. Packers, my Packers, going into Minnesota, favored by two and a half. Oh, if I wasn't a Packer fan, there's a good chance I'd pick this upset just because I know the Vikings, especially at home, tend to have the Packers number. Kirk Cousins will randomly have just a tremendous game. But I think Green Bay really is clicking right now. They see that number one seed in the NFC can be theirs again. Hopefully can actually take care, uh, take advantage of it this year. But, you know, some huge, huge performances the last few weeks for Green Bay when you, when you consider even going to Kansas City without your starting quarterback and went to Arizona without their starting receivers. Last week, you kept Gab Aaron coming back, and Aaron Jones gets in 17-0, a defense. Green Bay wins this one. Just covers the two-and-a-half spread. The Jets are visited by the Dolphins in a battle for the bottom of the AFC East. Dolphins are favored by three points here. I say take the Jets. I think the Jets are going to get it done. As sorry as the Jets are, they randomly, you know, will bring out a, a decent performance. And here's the thing. As sorry as the Jets are, the Dolphins are about just as sorry. I mean, these are two disappointing teams. Teams, at least one team that we were maybe expecting to have a bright future. Supposed to be early for Zach Wilson, but 
two and Zach, and that's not going well. Jets get the win as the underdog, the minus three underdog. Go for New York. Philly visited by New Orleans this week. Philly's been playing real, real well, while New Orleans has been playing up and down basically all year long. Philly's favored by one and a half. I'm going Philly on this one. I said it last week. I, I just think Jalen Hurts is really – he's impressed me. I think he's an NFL quarterback, and he's hes getting more and more control of that offense. Devontae Smith's having a tremendous, tremendous rookie season himself. I, you know, I think if Justin Jefferson didn't have the year last year that he did and Jamar Chase wasn't having the, the year he's having right now, we'd talk far more about how impressive Devontae Smith's been. Uh, but yeah, I got the Eagles winning that one. They cover that one and a half point spread. The Panthers visited by the Washington football team this week. They got two teams that have, have had their own struggles this year, and they go and they beat two of the best teams in, in the league, let alone the NFC. Uh, I'm going Carolina. They got Cam back. They got Christian back. I, I think just the vibes in, in Carolina are, are better. Uh, and I don't expect Washington to, to have another great performance like that in a row. So I got Carolina uh, covering that three and a half point spread. 49ers favored by six and a half in Jacksonville had their best performance of the season this week with that Monday night win over the Rams really dominated that entire game and looks like they have maybe gotten themselves back on track they're still four and five they're, they're not out of the playoff race especially in the NFC where the tail end of that NFC is not all that good uh, I do think they'll cover the six and a half point spread uh, I think Jimmy G looks good defense looks good running you know and they're playing the Jags so what do you want me to say? Bengals and Raiders, both are 5-4. and four. Bengals are favored by one point over the Raiders in Vegas. I'm taking Vegas all day on that. I'm just more of a believer, I think, in the Vegas Raiders right now, even with all the tumultuous stuff that they are going through. Uh, I believe in their team more, and I believe in Derek Carr a little bit more than the, than the youth of Cincy. I think Cincy in, in a few years is, is going to be a monster, and I think they're going to be you know, a perennial contender AFC North winner with Burrow at the helm. I just don't think that's how happening yet. So Raiders as the dog at home in Vegas. Uh, Chiefs visited by the Cowboys. Big, big game here. Chiefs seem to be kind of righting the wrongs. They still haven't looked quite as good. Uh, and they did last week. I, I take that back. You know, 41-14 over the Raiders. That that was our Chiefs that we remember. Uh, but they're sitting better. They're back on the top of the AFC West. I, I, they're favored by two and a half here, and I think I'm going to go with KC. I think I think this one is about as much of a toss-up as you can get. Uh, both teams are, are at their best, very, very good. Dallas has certainly been the far more consistent team, but I just feel like Kansas City is simultaneously getting their footing and finding themselves while still kind of fighting with their back against the wall. Like I, like I think this team still feels like they need to to keep winning and and and, and get things right. Uh, so I think that's what's going to be the difference. I think it's a close one. I think they, they barely cover that two and a half, but I'm going Kansas City at home. Cardinals going into Seattle, favored by two and a half. We saw a, a horrible performance by Arizona last week, but we didn't see much better of one uh, from Seattle. I mean, like I said, give credit to my Packers defense, uh, but the Packers made a lot of dumb mistakes, and, and Seattle never even got close to taking advantage for them. I mean, even with Russell back, the team just it, – it's a bad team. I mean, besides the quarterback and wide receiver position, I'm just not sure where you look on that team and, and say, oh, they're, they're really strong there. Um, it's, it's not there. So I, I think Arizona gets themselves right this week. They get a road win over Seattle covering that two-and-a-half spread. Sunday night game. Pittsburgh going into L.A. against the Chargers. 
Justin Herbert and the boys favored by five points over Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm going Pittsburgh on this one. I think Pittsburgh, of course, they didn't have a great game against Detroit, but I think Pittsburgh's kind of finding themselves. And, and, and Mike Tomlin's just too good of a coach. He, he's always going to keep his, his guys in a game. They're always going to be battling. The Chargers themselves have, have come down back to earth, just had a, a you know the home loss to the Vikings. It's, a, you know, Herbert... Still tremendous, but isn't playing quite as hot as he was at the start of the season. Uh, so I, I, I think I'll go Chargers win by one. Chargers sneak it out, but but I don't think they co- they cover that five points by any means. And the actual biggest line of the week, and a one that I say take take take, Tampa Bay favored by eleven against the New York Giants. After last week's performance by the Buccaneers, after Bruce Arians' comments in the press post. Game press conference and, and just throughout the week, uh, Tampa Bay is going to come back out with a fire under their ass. Uh, even without that, they should be able to blow out the Giants. But with that, this thing's going to get ugly, and it's going to get ugly quick. So take Tampa all day long. They blow out that 11-point spread. And that are your NFL picks. Well, everybody, I want to thank you guys for joining me on this solo episode, indulging me as, as I just talk to myself uh, on hours on end, which is, you know, my, my normal day-to-day life. So it's just nice to have, have other people listening in on these ramblings that I have about sports. Now, I, I really do appreciate it uh, for tuning in on the solo episode. Hopefully have Yannick back here with me next week so we can talk a little more sports, get a little more in-depth with everything. But I do appreciate you guys all listening. Jan, we'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Cheers, y'all.